Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 21st, 2009. We're going to be continuing the study on the swine flu, avian flu vaccinations, uh, the whole draconian governmental thing that we're talking about. Continuing with the last article, it says, Now, the World Health Organization, or the WHO, hype is aimed at provoking mass hysteria over this new hybrid flu swine strain. Such hype will probably be associated with mandatory mass vaccinations for no medical reason, but for the enormous profits of the New World Order corporations and their scientists, as well as for the global political reasons. The vaccine carries the very very serious risk of complications. Firstly, we remember bear, as in bear aspirins, contamination of the products of hemophiliacs with the AIDS virus. Yeah, did you hear about that? Yeah, they, they did, and they were convicted of it. Um, but it never came out in the news. Did you know that Bear, and I talked about this in my Pharmacia presentation, was one of the original companies that um, was one of the driving forces behind Hitler? It was it was uh, associated with IG Farben. Yeah, I get on I get into that in the uh, Pharmacia presentation. If you want to know more about that, and then actually this year. Uh, then we t- can talk about Baxter. We're going to talk more about that. Baxter, Baxter's contamination of the seasonal flu vaccine with the deadly bird flu virus. We're going to talk more about that soon. However, there's also a very serious problem with the adjuvant in the vaccine, the oil squalene, which is said to have caused the Gulf War syndrome. Is there a connection to the Illuminati and the self-conceited world elite's depopulation program in their bid for their own Luciferian godhood? Yes, I think there is. Here is an excerpt of what I wrote on January 18, 2009. Now, this is the man who wrote this article. In the 1990s, the United Nations World Health Organization launched a campaign to vaccinate millions of women in Nicaragua, Mexico, and the Philippines between the ages of 15 and 45, allegedly against tetanus. The vaccine was not given to men or boys. Now, tetanus is is um, something that you would normally get in the old times when you would get cut by a rusty nail that was also contaminated with feces. That's how you typically contracted this. Now, I can understand in the Old West, where they had all the buildings were wood, and they had their, their nails, and people were walking around in horse dung and in cow dung, because that's what the, the, they rode um, horses, that, they could, that would actually be something that you would have to kind of worry about. Okay? But how often is that happening today? It's not happening near as much, particularly in America, okay? They act like it's such a big deal. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. But this happened, they had this campaign, they vaccinated millions of women in Nicaragua, Mexico, Philippines, between the ages of 15 and 45. The vaccine was not given to men or boys, though. It was revealed by a Catholic organization that the tetanus vaccine contained human chorionic gonadotrophin, also known as HCG. It's a product they, sometimes bodybuilders take this as well. But it's a natural hormone that when combined with the tetanus toxoid carrier stimulated the antibodies, rendering a woman incapable of a pregnancy. None of the women vaccinated were told. It later came out that the Rockefeller Foundation, along with the Rockefeller Population Control, the World Bank, 
which is home to what they call CGIAR, which is a Rockefeller Agricultural Control Organization. And the United States National Institutes for Health had been involved in this mass vaccination campaign. Imagine that. In addition, the government of Norway, the host of the Sabard Doomsday Seed Vault, donated $41 million to develop the special abortive tetanus vaccine. A total population reduction between 250 and 300 million would be ideal. And says Ted Turner to the Audubon magazine, 1996. That's a quote I was mentioning. So again, you gotta have to have to look at who is behind the vaccines. You can say, "Oh, well, the vaccines are wonderful." I don't care what you say. Look who's behind them. Look where the money is behind them, and the antiviral drugs. It's all evil, every bit of it. Then he goes on to say, do I have to reiterate that the Bilderbergers and the CFR, I mean the Council of Foreign Relations, like the former U.S. Defense Secretaries Donald Rumsfeld and George Shultz, have shares in Tamiflu-producing corporations, Gilead. They were actually on its board. Rumsfeld was even the chairman from 1997 to 2001. I have, a whole, I have two or three slides on my presentation about Rumsfeld and Tamiflu. Tamiflu, and I, and I get into this on there, Tamiflu is 100% worthless against H5N1 avian flu, which is all the, the one that we've heard the hype about for so long now. Way longer than swine flu ever. It's worthless. And that's what the MDs say that are using it, that are actually dealing with the H5N1 cases, like the some of the um, Oriental nations over there, where they're actually contracting H5N1 bird flu. They say it's worthless. Now, it says in this article, and they've got a link to it, that the seasonal H1N1, this new swine flu strain, has mutated into a form that resists Tamiflu. So now Tamiflu is basically worthless for that, too. So for these greedy New World Order charlatans, it is vital to hype a swine flu pandemic. For swine flu virus is susceptible to Tamiflu... And the sale is now soaring. I don't, I don't know what he was trying to say. Susceptible to Tamiflu. It doesn't actually... Tamiflu doesn't work on the swine flu either now. But the sales are soaring. That's all that matters, you know. So they're getting rich and they're depopulating the planet and creating a sick, weak population at the same time. They're getting everything they wanted all in one fell swoop. The WHO will now recommend that the pharmaceutical companies make the swine flu vaccine... The U.S. government has already increased the availability of the flu-fighting medicines and authorized $1 billion for developing a new swine flu vaccine. $1 billion. There is big money in this and big opportunities to promote the WHO to be the health ministry of the New World Order and the United Nations-sponsored government. The Council of Foreign Relations, June 12, 2009, says... What now kicks in is a greater sense of urgency for the pharmaceutical industry. End of quote. Who said that? CFR cello, Senior Fellow for the Global Health, Lori Garrett. So again, they're, they're, they're totally relying on the pharmaceutical industry. One of the most evil, evil, satanic industries on the planet. That's where we're going to put our faith and hope for this. Now that a pandemic has been declared, more and more countries will guarantee that they will purchase the vaccine if it is available. 
The WHO and the World Bank will guarantee to purchase for the poorest countries in the world. Oh, isn't that nice of them? Let's go further. Here is another article that just came out very recently. It's entitled, Accidental Contamination of the Vaccine with Live Avion Flu Virus is Virtually Impossible. Did you know this happened? Uh, This is from Paul Joseph Watson, Prison Planet, March 5th. I reported on this a ways back. Czech newspapers are questioning if the shocking discovery of vaccines contaminated with the deadly avian flu virus, which were distributed to 18 countries by the American company Baxter, were part of a conspiracy to provoke a pandemic. This is before the swine flu thing even broke. That claim holds weight because, accordingly to the very laboratory protocols that are routine for vaccine makers, mixing a live virus biological weapon with the vaccine material by accident is virtually impossible. The company that released the contaminated flu virus material from a plant in Austria confirmed Friday that the experimental product contained live H5N1 avian flu viruses. Now, the H5N1 is what I did my 14-city tour on a few years back. That's the bird flu. That, the, the bird flu that has got all of the attention and hype. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. H1N1 swine flu, which is what we're dealing with, you know, in the, the current hype. Going further, Baxter flu vaccines contaminated with H5N1, otherwise known as the human form of avian flu, one of the most deadly biological weapons on Earth with a 60% kill rate. H5N1 has a 60% kill rate. I mean, not a lot of people have contracted it, but when you do contract it, it's got a real high kill rate. It were received by labs in the Czech Republic, Germany, and Slovenia. So these vaccines were contaminated with H5N1 and were received by labs in the Czech Republic, Germany, and Slovenia. Initially, Baxter attempted to stonewall questions by invoking, quote, trade secrets and refused to reveal how the vaccines were contaminated with H5N1, bird flu, after increasing... After increased pressure, they then claimed that pure H5N1 batches were sent by accident. This was seemingly an attempt to quickly change the story and hide the fact that the accidental contamination of a vaccine with a deadly biological agent like avian flu is virtually impossible. And the only way it could have happened was by willful, gross, criminal negligence. You know, the only thing I can attribute this to is the Lord Jesus Christ exposing this. Uh, you know, it's only it's only thing I can think of. I just give the Lord the credit that this happened, that they caught this. According to a compiled translation from the Czech newspaper stories, the media over there is asking tough questions about whether the contamination was part of a deliberate attempt to start a pandemic. Question: Was this just a criminal negligence, or was it an attempt to provoke a pandemia? Using vaccinations against the flu to spread the disease, as happened with the anti-B hepatitis vaccine with vaccines containing the HIV virus in the U.S. Ah, remember I've mentioned that before? That's how HIV got started, through the vaccination programs in the U.S. around 1978. They gave it to gay male men in um, New York, San Francisco, Chicago. That's when AIDS started. 
AIDS is a genetically created virus, what they call a retrovirus. Doesn't retroviruses nor, don't normally occur in nature? It's 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 against nature, okay. And they they're very matter of fact here. Is this what happened when the hepatitis B vaccination with vaccines containing HIV virus was used in the U.S.? Is that the same thing? Oh, well, hold on. What about the 1918-1919 Spanish flu, where where the vaccines were what caused the caused the whole pandemic? And, and, the, and the medical doctors were honest enough to admit it in the medical reports. It's a foregone conclusion. I got four different slides on my avian flu to prove it. And they're not coming from me. They're coming from on-the-spot observers and medical doctors. All I'm doing is passing the information on. You judge for yourself. Uh, going further, how on earth a virus as H5N1, how could it come into the ordinary flu vaccines? Don't they follow even basic precautions in the American pharma companies? These are This is the questions the Czech um, newspapers were asking. The fact that Baxter mi- mixed the deadly H5N1 virus with a mix of H3N2 seasonal flu virus is a smoking gun. They mixed them together. The H5N1 virus on its own has killed hundreds of people, but it is less airborne and more restricted in the ease in which it can spread. That's why we haven't had a global pandemic as of yet. Because the H5N1 isn't readily transmissible from human to human. It is from bird to bird, but not from human to human yet. There have been some cases where they think it has happened, though, when it transferred from human to human, but this was very, very close personal contact. And again, we're leaving the whole vaccine scenario out of the equation when we're talking about that. So I, I should also mention that as well. So if we go further, the H5N1 uh, has killed hundreds on its own. However, when it's combined with the seasonal flu viruses, which as everyone knows are super airborne and easily spreadable, the effect is potent, super airborne, super deadly biological weapons. Well, this is one of my main key points on the avian flu presentation I did, is that when, if you can develop a viral strain that is both super deadly and easily transmittable, there you have your pandemic. As the Canadian press article explains, while H5N1 doesn't easily infect people, H3N2 does. If someone exposed to a mixture of the two had been simultaneously infected with both strains, he or she could have served as an incubator for a hybrid virus able to transmit easily to and among people. So if they're both present in the body at the same time, the person serves as an incubator, then that person could be the very source. There can be little doubt, therefore, that it was a deliberate attempt to weaponize H5N1 virus to its most potent extreme and distribute it via conventional flu vaccines to the population who would then infect others to a devastating degree as the disease went airborne. The Canadian article states that that the mixing process called reassortment is one of the two ways the pandemic viruses are created, but then claims that there's no evidence that this is what Baxter was doing despite there being no clear explanation as to why Baxter had samples of the live avian flu virus on its premise in the first place. I mean, why did they have this garbage on in the first place? 
Well, we're just tinkering around. You know us. <laughs> you know. It's a hobby. Some people knit. Some people crochet. Some people make doilies. Well, we just tinker around with H5N1 and, you know, Footloose and Fancy Free. It's all good and, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. So, however, to reiterate, the key aspect of the story is that it is virtually impossible for live avian flu viruses to find its way into a vaccine by accident. As health expert Mike Adams pointed out, the shocking answer is that this couldn't have been by accident. Why? Because Baxter International adheres to something called a BSL-3, Biosafety Level 3, protocols, which are a set of laboratory safety protocols that prevent the cross-contamination of materials. Wikipedia explains, laboratory personnel have specific training in handling pathogenic and potential lethal agents and are supervised by competent scientists who are experienced in working with these agents. This is considered a neutral or warm zone. All procedures involving the manipulation of infectious materials are conducted within biological safety cabinets or other physical containment devices or by personnel wearing appropriate personal protective clothing and equipment. The laboratory has special engineering and design features. Under BSL Code of Conduct, it is impossible for a live avian flu virus to contaminate production vaccine materials that are shipped out to vendors around the world. In other words, they did it on purpose. Spreading bird flu would create an instantaneous surge of demand for bird flu vaccines. People are going to run to the very thing that's probably going to be used to spread it. Now we also have the chemtrail aspect, and that could also be used to spread it beyond the vaccines. That's why you want to make sure your, your immune system is operating at an optimal level. Because they've got more weapons now than they did in 1918, 1919. They got more ways of spreading it. Way better technology. In addition, as we have previously reported, those that have a stake in Tamiflu vaccine include top globalists and Bilderberg members like George Schultz, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, we've already mentioned that. Authorities in both Europe and U.S. have openly detailed plans for martial law, quarantine, and internment should a bird flu pandemic occur. When I was on tour, I did this tour like in May three years ago or three or four years ago. And I can remember at the time I was on tour, it's like ABC had a special, I think it was called quarantine or something, I don't know. And it showed this little girl behind a fence with her teddy bear, and she was wearing one of those worthless paper masks, which we're going to talk about that too. And it was, it was, I couldn't watch it because I was doing a different city. I was speaking at a different city every night. I had to fly to a different city every day. It was really a brutal tour. I mean, mentally and physically, it was just really hard. It was really neat. I mean, I had a good time, but boy, boy, was it rough. But, um, I never got a chance to watch that movie. It was it was you know made for TV movie, but that's what it was about. You know, people in quarantine and internment camps, and here's this little girl with her teddy bear behind a uh, basically a barbed wire fence with her little mask on. That's the that's that's the um, telegraphing that they're trying to do with us. 
The other motivation, as we have exhaustively documented on this website for years, is the fact that the elites throughout history have openly stated they want to see a world population reduction of 80 to 95 percent. Shocking stories like this take the plausibility of that narrative out of the realms of a conspiracy theory and into the dangerous reality of a conspiracy fact. Baxter is acting a whole lot, now this this vaccine company, Baxter, is acting a whole lot like a biological terrorism organization these days. Sending deadly viral samples around the world. If you mail an envelope full of anthrax to your senator, you will get arrested as a terrorist. And you'll, you'll be, you know, probably put away for life. So why is Baxter, which mailed samples of a far more deadly viral strain to labs around the world, getting away with this by saying essentially, oops, oh, sorry, oops, we, we messed up. But they're getting away with it, because they are they have immunity, evidently. This is not the first time that the vaccine companies have been caught distributing vaccines contaminated with deadly viruses. In 2006, it was the Bayer Corporation that had discovered that their injection drug, which was used by hemophiliacs, was contaminated with HIV. Oh, wow, the HIV just kind of wound up there. Bayer, one of the most evil companies on the planet. Yeah, one of our drugs got contaminated with HIV. Who knew? Internal documents prove that after they positively knew that the drug was contaminated, they were so kind as to take it off the U.S. market only to dump it into the European market where it was continued to be sold. They did this. It's documented. They've got a whole link here you can go to. I've reported on this many times. But it was dumped into the European, Asian, and Latin American markets knowingly exposing thousands, most of them children, to the live HIV virus. Government officials in France went to prison for allowing the drug to be distributed. The, doc- the documents show that the FDA colluded with Bayer, which FDA is one of the most corrupt organizations on the planet. Generally speaking, all the people in upper-level management of, of the FDA are all either are all former pharmaceutical CEOs or presidents, It's like the fox guarding the hen house on steroids. The documents show that the FDA colluded with Bayer to cover up the scandal and allow the deadly drug to be distributed globally. No Bayer executives ever faced arrest or prosecution in the United States. They're going to face hellfire for eternity, which is a lot worse than anything we can dish out in this earth, unless they get saved. I pray if it'd be possible they get saved, but if not, man. Here's another article. It's entitled, Baxter is working on a vaccine to stop the swine flu. So now Baxter's working, the very company that was caught sending out seasonal flu viruses contaminated with H5N1 avian bird flu virus. That very company is now working on a vaccine to stop the swine flu. Hey, I would trust them, wouldn't you? We need to give them another chance, guys. Come on. Forgive and forget. Come on, we need to forgive and forget. They're good guys, deep down. Sorry about that, I lost control. Anyway, Baxter working on the vaccine to stop working, vaccine to stop swine flu. Baxter is working on a vaccine to stop the swine flu outbreak in Mexico. Now, this was reported on April 25th, 2009. But Baxter also admitted to sending out live avian flu viruses to the subcontractor. 
People familiar with biosecurity rules are dismayed by the evidence that the H3N2 and H5N1 viruses somehow commingled in their facility. Is Baxter International taking a page from the Blackwater playbook just as Blackwater keeps on killing to justify their multi-billion dollar contracts to provide security in Iraq and Afghanistan, Baxter International is posed to make billions to vaccinate people against the pandemic. And again, the vaccines will be the very way that the masses will be infected, at least in part, just like it was in the 1918-1919 Spanish flu pandemic that killed at least 50 million. Now, I've got several parts in my avion flu presentation, if you want to go up there. My main one, which has like, I don't know, 15 parts or something. Go to part 10 and just start watching it from there. If you don't want to watch the whole thing, just go to part 10. And it's entitled, Vaccinations Causing Pandemics. Avion flu, vaccinations causing pandemics. You can find it up on YouTube, just key in Dr. Scott Johnson, or even avion flu. I think I'm pretty far up there now. Praise the Lord. Just watch part 10 to part 12. Uh, these are these are all the ones relating to uh, vaccination. And also, I've, g- I've got a new one, which is a little more updated, which is a- avian flu population control, H5N1, and biological warfare. That's five parts, and you can watch the whole thing in its entirety as well. Now, I also have, and you can click on this link. If you go up to... Um, couple of different ways you can access this link. You go to my YouTube presentations and you'll see links in the description box. If you click on the description box at the bottom, you'll see the link to um, my complete recommendations for proactive things you can do regarding a coming pandemic and a lot of other things. Uh, I've updated that and I've, and I've got that listed um, there, you can click on the link. It'll give you like oh, about a three-page sheet of different things that you can do to prepare. Also, I did an avion flu talk on sermon audio. So if you key in avion on the keyword search box on the sermon audio homepage on my on my sermon audio homepage, there is a PDF for every different talk I did, and the PDF are my recommendations as well. I just want to let you know. I don't want to just give all the problem today and give you no solutions. I mean, I try to give you the spiritual solution more in part one. The physical things that you can do would be more in this link that I that I give you there. My Mild Silver Protein website, which is what I, I talk a lot about in regard to a remedy for this. Of course, I can't claim anything like a cure or anything like that. I can't do that for FDA reasons. But my mild silver protein website is uh, dr-johnson.com. www.dr-johnson.com. Anyway, going further, this next article is entitled Engineered Swine Bird Flu Virus Now Transmitted Between Humans is Called an Epidemic. The swine bird flu outbreak in Mexico is a human-engineered virus. They, they're very matter-of-fact when they report this, a lot of these news sources. This is the only way that this could be happening, as it's not statistically possible for them to have a naturally combined genetic strain as of yet. The fact that these three flu types were used to engineer this virus is interesting indeed. Consider that swine flu is highly virulent, meaning it spreads easily, not to humans, 
Consider the flu further that the bird flu is a highly lethal in humans, but its current construct as a virus has prevented it from getting into a stable foothold for the jump to humans. And finally, consider the third component of this weaponized swine, bird, human flu is the common human flu virus, which is highly transmittable among us two-leggers. Now, that's a term I don't use enough of, two-leggers. Like, we walk on two legs, get it? Anyway, I thought that was kind of catchy. Going further, it says, There are solid reasons to suspect that the new Mexican swine flu is not a naturally occurring event, but instead is an advanced biological warfare recombination DNA genetically engineered virus. Now, that was a mouthful. Advanced Biological Warfare Recombination DNA Genetically Engineered Virus. Straight to the point. Another article. And again, these are all articles I have sent out via my health newsletter over the last four or five months. I, I just kind of cherry-picked the, the most pertinent ones for this particular study. If you want to get on the list, just email me and tell me which list you want to be on, Christian and or health. I would advise you get on both because there's a lot of important stuff on both. And if you're off one, you're going to miss some potentially life-saving stuff that might be on another. So anyway, going further, this article is entitled, Readying Americans for Dangerous Mandatory Vaccinations by Stephen Lindman of the Global Research, June 10th, pretty recent, 2009, at least three U.S. federal laws should concern all Americans and suggest what may be coming. Mandatory vaccinations for hype threats like H1N1, swine flu, vaccines and drugs like Tamiflu endanger human health but are hugely profitable to drug companies. Now, in my avian flu presentation that I talked about, the 15-parter up on uh, YouTube, if you go to part five, it's entitled Avion Flu. Tamiflu is worthless for avian bird flu. So if you want to know just know more about that, you can just watch part five. These are like ten minute clips. One of the first things that uh, of these legislations is Project BioShield of 2004. Now I talked about this earlier. Became law on July 21st, 2004 to provide protections and countermeasures against chemical radiological and nuclear agents that may be used in a terrorist attack against the United States. Uh, then there is, um, I've got a whole part on that, it's part six. It's called Project Bioshield and Martial Law, the avian flu presentation. We'll talk about that. In other words, the FDA may now reckless, recklessly approve inadequately untested, potentially dangerous vaccines and other drugs if ever the Secretaries of Health or Human Services or the Defense Department, the or the DOD, declare a national emergency. Whether one not exists, or whether it really does exist, around $6 billion or more will be spent to develop, produce, and stockpile vaccines and other drugs to counteract the claimed bioterror agents. Here's the next one, next piece of legislation. The Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act slipped under the radar when George Bush signed it into law as part of a 2006 Defense Appropriations Act, H.R. 2863. It lets the H.H. Health and Human Services Secretary declare any disease, an epidemic, or national emergency requiring mandatory vaccinations. Nothing in the act lists criteria that warrant a threat. In other words, it leaves it wide open. 
Also, potential penalties aren't specified for those who balk, but they're very likely to be quarantined and or possible fines. The HHS website also says that the Secretary may issue a declaration that provides immunity from tort liability, meaning like in the courtroom, from tort liability for claims of cause of loss caused arising out of, relating to, or resulting from the administration or use of vaccinations or other pharmaceutical countermeasures to diseases, threats, and conditions determined by the Secretary to constitute a present or credible risk of future public health emergency. Let me explain to you what all that legalese just meant. You won't be able to sue the vaccine makers or the drug makers when they give you a vaccine or drug that either kills you or cripples or disables you. They'll all be protected from tort liability. I get into this on my avian flu presentation as well. A lot of this is more updated, though. But it's just as applicable today as it was, you know. I've actually updated the, the uh, presentation on the Internet, though. It's a lot more current than it was when I did the tour uh, three or four years ago. The industry-run U.S. Food and Drug Administration notoriously rushes inadequately tested drugs to market, putting their efficacy and safety into question and turning those who use them into lab rats. It includes everyone if a mass vaccination is ordered on the mere claim of a public emergency, no proof required. The Pandemic and All Hazards Preparedness Act, which is Senate 3678 is another worrisome law, effective December 19, 2006. It amended the Public Health Services Act with respect to the public health security and all hazards preparedness and response. Even its supporters worry about the issues of privacy, liability, and putting profits over public health. Critics express concerns about the dangerous remedies for exaggerated or non-existent threats, as well as mass hysteria created for political purposes. At least one other measure is also worrisome. Now, there's many more than this. He just hit three. Trust me, I've reported on way more than three over the years. And it's called the Model State Emergency Health Powers Act. This hasn't been, this is a proposal, but if implemented, it is written in a way that doesn't give adequately protect citizens against the misuse of tremendous powers that would be granted to the government in an emergency. It is replete with civil liberty problems. The top three flaws are it fails to include basic checks and balances, granting extraordinary emergency powers that never go unchecked to the government, essentially. It goes well beyond bioterrorism with an overboard definition of a public health emergency, it may be anything of a local or national authority declares for any reason with no conclusive evidence for proof. We're very fortunate right now that they didn't impose all of this legislation that's already on the books when the swine flu went to a level six pandemic. They could have done it right then. But the thing is, is they've got to have more of a public, real public crisis to do this. Yes, they could have done it, but they would have had much more resistance because there were just very few people dying. But if, let's say, this fall rolls around and they've got the vaccine ready and all of a sudden people start dying in greater numbers, all of a sudden it supposedly mutates and then they're like, oh no, everybody's got to get vaccinated. So then everybody comes in to get their vaccines and their drugs and then it even gets way ten times worse, which is all by design, and then they're chemtrailing us with the actual virus. Well, you know, at that point, 
it's going to be a gigantic problem. And for the most part, people are going to be begging the government to give them this vaccination. That's what is probably going to be the scenario. They're going to be begging for the very thing that's going to cause their demise, or at least greatly contribute to it at bare minimum. Going further, this is another article. This was just came out the other day. Perpetual wars, deadly vaccines we can believe in. <laughs> House approves $106 billion in supplemental war vaccine spending bill. $106 billion in supplemental war vaccine spending bill. How nice of them. $7.7 billion for pharma terrorist flu vaccines. The House has narrowly approved a $106 billion bill to ensure financing for war operations in Iraq and Afghanistan over the coming months. The measure contains about $80 billion to fund defense activities in Iraq and Afghanistan. It also contains some $10 billion for foreign aid, $7.7 billion to combat the flu pandemic. Right. Here's another one. DHS, Department of Homeland Security, sets guidelines for possible swine flu quarantines. Federal quarantine authority is limited to diseases listed in presidential executive orders. President Bush added, quote, novel forms of influenza with the potential to create pandemics in Executive Order 13375. DHS Assistant Secretary Brigier McGraw circulated the swine flu memo which was obtained by cbsnews.com on Monday night, and it says, quote, the Department of Justice has established legal federal authorities pertaining to the implementation of a quarantine and enforcement. Under approval from HHS, the Surgeon General has the authority to to issue quarantines. Anyone violating the quarantine order can be punished with a $250,000 fine and a one-year prison term. That's just the beginning. A Defense Department planning document summarizing the military's contingency plan says the Pentagon is prepared to assist in quarantining groups of people in order to minimize the spread of the disease during an influenza pandemic. And we all know they have our best interests in mind. The Pentagon, oh yeah, they're going to assist. They're going to gently assist with kid gloves. They're going to assist at gunpoint, probably with bayonets. And as far as that goes, this could be the very thing used to implement the, bre- the red and blue list. What, a, what better opportunity? They're going to be trying to herd people up anyway. Hear my voice, O God, my prayer. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. That's what you're asking God to do in Psalm 64. Psalm 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where I want to be. The Bible talks about under the shadow of his wings. It says it in another part of the Bible. Under the covert, which is like the shelter. Under the shadow of of his wings will I make my refuge while these calamities be overpassed. It's going to get to a point where it really is that real, I believe that, with Christians. But you have to have the faith to believe that he can shelter you. If you have no faith to believe that, and you're trusting in your... He's going to let you just probably have it your way. Try to, you know, without faith it is impossible to please God. 
the Bible is very clear. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Our faith should be foundational and dependent upon the Word of God. This is why it's important to memorize Scripture. Particularly in the you know times we're moving into. What time I am afraid I will trust in Thee. Psalm 56.3. It's an easy way to remember it. What time I am afraid I will trust in Thee. Psalm 56.3. So, what time you're afraid you trust in the Lord? Psalm 91, Psalm 64. These are things to, to think about. Uh, pray, believe, believe. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's go further. Here's another article. Massachusetts Senate passes the swine flu martial law bill. This has already been done. The Associated Press reports the Massachusetts Senate has unanimously passed a pandemic flu preparation bill that has languished in the legislature before the recent swine flu outbreak. A 36 to nothing vote today sends the measure to the House. Both branches have taken it up in the past but have not been able to agree on the details. The new Senate version would allow the public health commissioner in the public, in the case of a public health emergency to close or evacuate buildings, to enter private property for investigations, and to quarantine individuals. You have no rights, in other words. The bill specifically mandates the following. To require the owner or the occupier of the premises to permit entry into any investigation on the premises, to close or direct and compel the evacuation of or decontaminate or cause to be contaminated any building or facility and to allow the reopening of a building or facility where the danger has ended. And then to decontaminate or cause to be decontaminated. That gets cut off there, but... Yeah, they already, they already passed this in Massachusetts. Here's another article. The U.S. Navy is to conduct human clinical trials of the H1N1 flu vaccine. The Navy. Remember, I said this stuff all starts in the military. Vickle Inc. entered into a cooperative research and development agreement with the U.S. Naval Medical Research Center, a biomedical research organization. Uh, they announced that they're, they're uh, developing a program to develop a vaccine against the H1N1. Assuming a successful outcome of the testing and a commitment for program-specific external funding, the company is ready to advance directly to the large-scale manufacturing of a vaccine for human clinical trials to be conducted by the U.S. Navy. So the U.S. Navy will be the first guinea pigs. And they won't even be told what they're getting. They don't have to be informed. President Clinton signed that executive order. I gave the executive order in the avian flu where military vaccine personnel can be vaccinated at any time with any vaccine without disclosure of what's in it or the inherent health risks. And they have no right to refuse it. None. Executive order, I don't know what it is, but it's on my avian flu presentation. Uh, Sarkozy's secret plan for mandatory swine flu vaccination. This is another article. The French government is developing secret plans to impose mandatory vaccination of the entire population. Mandatory. 
Now, I saw a thing the other day on the Today Show, another YouTube clip, where it's that Med- Meredith Vieira or whatever lady, is that her name? The one that does the, uh... Yeah, the Millionaire Show. She's up there, and she's she's interviewing this lady, and they're talking about a three-part, I believe it was a three-part vaccination that... They basically said, they basically implied in this interview on the Today Show that it would be mandatory, possibly be mandatory this by this fall in America. Mandatory. Now that's where the rubber's going to meet the road. Mandatory. So you're going to tell me that you're going to inject poison in my body. You're going to you're going to inject the very thing that's going to give this thing to me that you're supposedly trying to prevent. The sickness, and then all the other garbage that goes along with whatever other witch's brew concoction in the vaccine, the squalene and all the other thing. So you, you're going to tell me you're going to inject that into me and my family. Not me. No way. I'm sorry, I'll die. I'll die before I get it. I won't do it. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Pray for fear of the Lord. If you don't fear God, fear God. He can protect you. The Bible talks about that, you know, they shall be mighty and they shall do exploits. I believe referring to the end time. I think that's the time we're moving into. But you just have to have the faith to believe that God can work through you. Now, it's not you doing it. It's not you being Mr. Big and Bad and going around kicking you know, the devil's butt everywhere. It's about the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ living through you and in you. And you just claiming the promises of what's in the Word of God. Just claim those promises. They're there. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. To have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but to rather reprove them. Just believe it. It's the Word of God. Just believe it. It's there. Going further, so the Sarkozy is going to, uh, they've exposed the secret plans to impose the mandatory vaccination the entire French population. Pharmaceutical giants benefit from the move as the swine flu increases the trend towards the militarization of the public health and use of needless population panic to advance the agenda, according to a report in the May 30th edition of the French newspaper, Le Journal des Démarches. Ooh, that was good, wasn't it? La French Fry. Sorry. I never took French, as you can see. But I can't say croissant. Anyway, um... The Sarkozy government has authorized spending of an estimated $1 billion to buy vaccines allegedly to combat and protect against the H1N1 swine flu virus. Hmm, isn't that special? So, more to the point, there is no forensic evidence in any of the deaths reported to date that has been presented that proves scientifically that any one single death can actually be attributed to H1N1 swine flu virus uh, European epidemiologists believe the deaths reported to date are coincidental or are called what they call opportunistic infections. In other words, these people already had compromised 
immune systems and or respiratory systems. And contracting the swine flu was the thing that put them over the edge. It was like the last nail in the coffin. Which, you know, is a point I really haven't seen brought up, but it, it's probably a very valid point. These people were going to probably die anyway. It could have been the, the seasonal flu. It could have been whatever. What we know conclusively is that people who died often had prior respiratory complications of an undisclosed nature. So that there, there you go, right there. People die every day with respiratory diseases. In the USA alone, some 36,000 flu-related deaths are recorded yearly with no undue panic or alarm. And we haven't even approached that statistic worldwide with this. Swine flu. And yet 36,000 die in the U.S. See, what I mean is they only, whenever they're promoting something like this, there's always some hidden agenda. Most are elderly patients with lung diseases. To date in France, 24 people have been identified by health authorities as having symptoms of H1N1. It is worth noting that the WHO or the CDC lists the symptoms of H1N1 as temperature, high temperature, coughing, headache, runny nose. Do you know anyone with swine flu symptoms? Also worth noting is, I mean, in other words, a lot of people get that when they get a cold or sick, you know. Also worth noting is that in the counting of more than 15,000 confirmed H1N1 swine flu cases worldwide, the vast majority made miraculous recovery within three to seven days, just as in any case of a bad cold. The goal is militarization of the public health, which is part of the New World Order to have a one-world government, one-world military, one-world political system, one-world religion, one-world currency. Increasingly, it is becoming clear that the successive waves of mass panic created by recent years by the CDC and the WHO and leading government agencies has an ulterior motive. Now, these are all different sources coming to the same conclusion. Here's another article. Government template for mass vaccination. Kurt Nemo of InfoWars. It is called ring vaccination or traced vaccination. A round them up and vaccinate program forced on the population by the government. The DHS and the FEMA have plans to place have plans in place to accomplish this. As D.H. Williams wrote for the Daily Newscaster in February, an Indiana County municipal official in the vicinity of Chicago revealed a plan to, quote, vaccinate the entire population within 48 hours as part of a hazard mitigation plan. Ooh, they want to really kill off a lot of people really quick. What their, what their excuse will probably be is that, well, we just couldn't, we got everybody vaccinated 48 hours, but it just wasn't quick enough. 48 hours, the only way they could do that is if they went door to door. There's no way you could cramp, you, you couldn't have everyone coming to one central location. You could conceivably have mobile locations set up in neighborhoods where people could go. I could see that, but you'd have to have a lot of them. I just don't, I don't see how that could be done. That, that would be just, that would be an absolute total pandemic police state. Here's another one. Swine flu, flu shots for Canada ready by fall. Flu vaccine manufacturers are ramping up to produce a vaccine by the fall after World Health Organization's declaration Thursday 
that a virulent new influenza strain ignited the first pandemic in 41 years. Canadians will be able to get an additional vaccine shot in the arm as early as October, said the county's chief medical officer of health. So again, fall. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Uh, here's another uh, letter. Now, I try to put this in somewhat of a coherent order. <clears throat> this was an email I got from a listener, and it was entitled The Canadia Canadia. Now, that is good linguistics on my part. Anyway, Canada bird flu alert. It goes on to say, I'm not sure how many listeners you have in Canada, but I just wanted to share with you that our government is now airing commercials for us to be ready in case of an emergency. Now, I got this on March 30th. Okay. Uh, Ready for an emergency, have enough food, water, supplies for 72 hours. I went to the website that they tell you about in the commercial, and one of the emergencies that we may have to prepare for is the pandemic influenza. On the top of the list is avian flu. Actually, if you click on the link for that particular disaster that may happen, the only virus mentioned in the further links is the avian flu. Now, again, this is where all the hype has been centered for the last, I don't know how many years now. Swine flu is something that's been very recent as of this particular strain. Going further, he says, I clicked on the link that says how Canada will deal with the outbreak. And they say things like how they will put everyone into groups, such as healthcare workers, children, and to give these groups, depending on what public opinion is in some cases. Uh, I'm not sure what he meant by that. For instance, if it's a fast epidemic, the public will want the children to have the vaccine first. But if it's a slower epidemic, the adults will get it first, as they don't know the long-term effects that the vaccines will have. Oh, isn't that special? Isn't that nice? Another thing that they said about the vaccines were that... all. Alternatively, the provinces and subsiding activity might be in the best position to deliver mass immunization programs as human resources could be shifted away from patient care, giving the declining number of new cases in vaccine administration. So in other words, the vaccine will take credit for curing the flu when really it did nothing. And then he gives me the two links, and I went and watched the the links, Is Your Family Ready websites and stuff. So they're gearing up in Canada. Here's the next article. Children who get the flu vaccine have three times the risk of hospitalization. This is from Science Daily. Not a conspiracy theory group or whatever. Science Daily, May 20th, 2009. The inactivated flu vaccine. Now this isn't even the one they're going to unleash that we're talking about. This is just the everyday flu vaccine. The inactivated flu vaccine does not appear to be effective in preventing influenza-related hospitalizations in children, especially the ones with asthma. In fact, children who get the flu vaccine are more at risk for hospitalization than their peers who do not get the vaccine. According to new research that will be presented on May 9th at the 105th International Conference of the American Thoracic Society in San Diego. That's from ScienceDaily.com. Now... It's well known, Dr. Hugh Fundenberg, one of the world's leading immunogenesis, has reported that anyone that gets, I believe it's three consecutive flu vaccines, has a tenfold risk of, a ten or twentyfold risk of acquiring Alzheimer's. Why? Because they put aluminum 
In the flu vaccines, aluminum is one of the main things that causes Alzheimer's. They also spray aluminum in the sky with the chemtrails. That with barium, uh, which is carcinogenic, and ethylene dibromide, which is an additive to unleaded uh, gasoline. They've isolated red blood cells as well. All kind of horrific witches brew stuff they're spraying in the chemtrail aerial spraying program. So again, they're hitting us from many angles. Satan's very good at what he does. But here it's, these children have three times risk of hospitalization. I had a patient, and I've told this story before, and uh, treated him when I was working in a uh, chiropractic clinic. He had had an auto accident, and his wife came back a few months later. I don't know, I probably did get some paperwork or whatever, and we asked him about her husband. She says, oh, he's dead. He's passed away. What? I mean, he wasn't that old. Yeah, he, he got the flu vaccine. He was dead the next day. As much as I can remember. But you think that was reported? No. No. How many other people just like him? Here's, a, here's an article from Patricia Boyle, Ph.D., and it's entitled, Do Not Take a Swine Flu Vaccine. Here's a Ph.D. This is to Jeff Rents from Rents.com. She says, Hello, Jeff. This is 42509. I am making a plea to everyone who reads this. Please, please do not take any vaccine that is purported to prevent, to prevent this flu, meaning the flu we're hearing about. Remember 1976 and the so-called swine flu outbreak? That was purported to be a coming pandemic. It only infected recruits at Fort Dix. Why? Because I believe that the so-called swine flu virus infected the recruits due to the vaccines that they were given. Absolutely. And Fort Dix is Coincidentally enough, the very place where the vaccine originated in the 1918-1919 swine or Spanish flu pandemic started, I believe, at Fort Dix. Same place. Swine flu, same place. Whether the government develops the swine flu 1976 virus and infected the recruits as a means to test the public to see if people would comply with a call to take the vaccination against the swine flu or the recruits became infected via contaminated vaccine that they were given as part of the recruitment regiment, that outbreak was as phony as they come. I was one of the people duped into taking the swine flu shot, and it made me so sick. I was sick in bed for three months after taking the vaccine. Do not take the seasonal flu vaccine if you are told that it could help prevent this brand new swine flu variant. Well, I would say don't take any of it, obviously. I mean, that's up to you, but, uh, you know, that, that's uh, hopefully it's pretty obvious by the study. Uh, going further, do not take the seasonal flu vaccine. It won't do anything to prevent this flu. What it will do is serve up the new genetic material to the swine flu virus that I have dubbed the Spanish flu 2, the sequel. In other words, the Spanish flu of 1918-1919 that I reported on that killed over 50 million people. The Spanish flu variant will use the gene sequences in the vaccine in humans to develop more of the changes that make the virus more readily infectious to humans. We do not want to give this virus more human genetic material so that it will infect humans more readily person to person. Remember that whole thing about being an incubator for the very thing? Well, humans are the ideal incubator. This is what vaccinated individuals do for pandemic strains. They act as an incubator. There is also a safety issue in any experimental vaccine, much like the one in 1976. Some people even feel that such a vaccine for pandemic strains might require more than one vaccination. 
which could actually be a binary setup. Remember what I said, Meredith Vieira said, though there's going to be a series of three vaccines? See, that way they can't just, if they just did it in one, and everybody started dropping dead and dying, it would be like, yes, this one vaccine. But if it's a series of three, it's a little more gradual over time, and then they hit us with maybe a chemtrail that activates something in the vaccine or something in the food or water, can't blame it on the vaccine. Well, we just didn't, it mutated again. It's probably what they'll say. And we just missed it. Sorry about that 200 million people dead. You know, maybe we'll get it right next time. It's probably going to be how they act. Now, I know that's not funny, but it's, it's probably what they're going to do. Or something similar. The first shot of this binary vaccine set, a binary meaning two, the first shot might just add some genetic code that stays dormant in the body until one gets the second vaccine shot, which then serves to only cause infection. It could trigger Guillain-Barr syndrome, typhus, or some other condition, which is exactly what happened in 1918, 1919. They had this combination of this black death plague that the doctors recorded, and it was like a combination of like typhus and typhus and black death and all these things mixed together. An influenza vaccine does not protect or prevent a person from contracting the flu. It is purported to maybe prevent some complications of flu and maybe shorten the duration. I am not even sure if it does that. Personally, I feel the vaccine weakens our immune system and also sickens us due to the contaminants in the vaccine. Yeah, well, amen to that. A big problem during the pandemic is that these simple supplies will become extremely scarce awful quickly. Stock up now on medical supplies, personal hygiene, and don't forget Fido or Scraps, whatever your dog's name may be, Fido Scraps, Spot. These are all good traditional American dog names. Sorry, I just felt, I don't know, led to interject that. Anyway, um, so then, or any other pet, like Fluffy the cat or whatever, once the pandemic hits, it will be too late to stock up water to, and this is very true, if you wait until all this goes down, the shelves will be bare probably within a day. I've heard recently that they've basically got enough for about two weeks of food supply in the um, supermarkets. If the semi stopped running, people would have those shelves bare very quickly, and then you're going to really see panic. Going further... We may lose clean water, electric power, so be prepared. Remember, if the people that work at the electric plant have all contracted the flu, the, this new strain, how is the electric plant going to run? How's the water plant going to run that pumps the water into your house? If the semi-drivers are all sick, how are they going to get the food? You see, this is way bigger than just swine flu we're talking about. We're talking about a global meltdown of unbelievable proportions. So please, before, so please people, don't take any vaccines offered. Now this is Patricia Boyle saying this, PhD. Then she ends up by saying they could kill you before any virus kills you. Wow, strong words. Going further, uh, this is an article from um, naturalnews.com. It's called Myth Myth Busted. N95 masks are useless at protecting wearers from swine or avian flu. There is unfortunately a lot of bad preparedness advice 
about swine flu circulating these days, one of the worst pieces of advice is wearing an N95 mask, the paper face masks that hook around your ears with elastic bands. As my feature article explains, these face masks are useless at protecting you from swine flu. Relying on one could get you killed. Read the truth about the N5 N95 base mask, and he gives you the link. Now, I'm going to have all these articles in a PDF connected with this teaching. You can go and click on the respective links, and that way you, it'll take you right there. Now, um, in my avian flu presentation, I did make a gas, ma gas mask recommendation, and i just read you that. Invest in a gas mask for each member of your household, but remember, the gas mask is only as good as the seal to your skin. Those paper masks are a joke. The only thing they're going to do is prevent, if somebody was infected, prevent them, if they coughed, some of the airborne contaminants from getting out of the mask. It's just going to contain it a little bit. It's not going to prevent you from contracting it. It's, it's worthless. But the gas mask is only as good as the seal to your skin. You breach that seal, if it's around you, then it's worthless. Um, the, a good one I found is at approvedgasmasks.com. It's the SGE150 protective mask. I don't have any financial interest in this whatsoever. Um, I also get into the proactive measures quite in depth uh, in the Avion flu presentation. I go into each one of these, including the colloidal silver I recommend, but a lot of other things. Uh, here's an article from Pravadaru. I can't even read this guy's name, but it's entitled, Colloidal Silver Can Be the Best Defense Against Swine Flu. The best defense against swine flu or any flu is an age-old remedy of colloidal silver. The metal silver is in its colloidal state can be safely consumed and used in the body. Now, understand, if you make it with a generator with little electrodes, that's not colloidal silver. That's ionic silver. It is not. Colloidal silver is particulate silver in a solution, suspended in a solution, suspended by a charge on it called the zeta potential. Ionic silver is not colloidal silver. It's like apples and oranges. Yes, if you drink enough of it, it can have a preventative effect. But those are the people that actually get the argyria, which is where they turn gray. They're drinking 16 ounces per day every day. I've met them. They're the ones they parade around on TV. They're one in a million. But um, I recommend real colloidal silver. I don't recommend the ionic because most of the time in the ionic, you can only make a very low part per million solution, 20, 30 parts, 10 parts maximum. If you get hit with a pandemic, that is not a high enough concentration, or I wouldn't want to rely on that. I wouldn't want to put my life in the hands of that. Now, my life is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you from a physical standpoint regarding colloidal silver. I've done a whole presentation on colloidal silver where I explain this. It is also up on YouTube that you can reference that. Um... And I'll talk about it a little bit more in a second here. Going further, bacteria and viruses cannot develop resistance to colloidal silver. Silver disabilizes a vital enzyme and a mechanism in all bacteria and pathogens so that they cannot survive. In essence, they kind of suffocate. Colloidal silver was used by the medical profession well into the 1930s, up to 1938 actually to be exact, before the FDA Food and Drug Administration takeover. However, it was, an expense, it was expensive to produce at the time and afford, and also I'll add this in, it didn't have a very long shelf life. It had a shelf life of like one to two weeks. The colloidal silver that we're using now, it's very, very high part per million, very strong, has a shelf life of at least 15 years. 
at least, and the, and the uh, owner, the company actually thinks it could be more like 100. It's very, very stable. Back then, they didn't have a way to stabilize it. Anyway, going further, um, the pharmaceutical companies use alternatives, antibiotics to colloidal silver, which were cheaper to make and sell, and the antibiotics created another problem. It killed all your good flora and your good bacteria. So you had to keep on going on more antibiotics, and then you were prone to candida. So then they had their reoccurring revenue in check. Okay, Reoccurring revenue is the basis and premise for the pharmaceutical industry. You either get addicted to the drug, or you have to keep taking the same drug over and over. Therefore, they make reoccurring revenue. And then they can control you. And then those drugs have side effects, so you have to take more drugs to counteract those side effects. And then you get sicker and sicker and sicker as you create a more toxic state and environment from all these pharmaceutical pharmacia meds that you're putting into your system. I mean, don't think I'm biased. Sorry. Anyway, um, however, let's see, however, many, now many germs have developed immunity and resistance to the antibiotics. That's another problem. They develop resistance to the antibiotics, so then you have super strains and these things like MRSA that are out there now, which is the super strain of um, staff that they really hardly have any antibiotics that can get rid of. There is at present no sure vaccine for swine flu, and the fact that the swine flu strain is a hybrid of strains from various species complicates the matter considerably. March 1970, issue of the Science Digest states that our mightiest germ fighter, that was the name of the article, an antibiotic kills perhaps half a dozen different disease organisms, but silver kills some 650. Resistant strains fail to develop. UCLA Medical Center says colloidal silver killed every virus that was tested in the lab. Here's another article from News Target. Colloidal silver sprayed on Hong Kong subways. This is very recent. Subway and train stations in uh, London and other parts of the UK are considering using a powerful, non-toxic colloidal silver disinfectant disinfectant spray to help fend off the spread of the flu virus this winter after Hong Kong subways recently announced its use of the spray. The MTR company revealed this morning its plan to use the nano-silver titanium dioxide coating spray on most services in the Hong Kong metro rail system. Roughly 2.5 million commuters ride the Hong Kong rail system every day and can easily spread colds and the flu through common surfaces. This disinfectant spray, colloidal silver disinfectant spray, has been certified as effective at killing wide ranges of bacteria, mold, viruses, including H1N1 virus. Pretty interesting stuff. Also something that can be done is, um, I've, I've read this quite uh, a lot recently, the use of copper. Copper is also highly, um, things like viruses and bacteria can't live on copper either, so they're advocating copper door handles, things like that. Copper can actually purify, kill things in the water. So can silver. This is why in antiquity they would take silver dollars and put it in the milk so it wouldn't spoil. Kings of old would go and, and they would go long distances and they would store their water in silver vessels so that the water didn't go bad. It's been used for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, both copper and silver, for disinfection and for preventing the spread of bacteria. Now going further... I'm going to go over on this study, but I'm too close to the end of it to uh, to stop. 
Natural News, in an effort to censor any online text that might inform consumers of the ability of natural products to protect consumers from H1N1, the FDA is now sending out a round of warning letters threatening to take enforcement action such as seizure or injunction for violations of FFDC Act without further notice. Firms that fail to take correction, the FDA warns, may be referred to the FDA's Office of Criminal Investigations for possible criminal prosecution for violations of these laws. The message is crystal clear. No product may be described as protecting against or preventing H1N1 infections unless it is approved by the FDA. Now, on my website at dr-johnson.com, dr-johnson.com, I have, it's devoted to colloidal silver. But we are careful about making claims. And we've tried, the, the, the owner, really this site goes through the factory, but the owner has tried to be as FDA compliant as possible so that this product could stay on the market as long as possible. And again, we try not to make any outlandish claims. Okay? Because the only ones that can supposedly cure anything are the guys with the white coat, lab coats, and the magic prescription pads. Um, so bear that in mind. I, I, we have to be conservative about, about claims and things of this nature. Anyway, going further, uh, let's see. Which products has the FDA approved? Tamiflu, which is next to worthless, the next to, most next to worthless antiviral drug that most people will never have access to. These are the ones the FDA has approved. And the new H1N1 vaccine that's being manufactured at a cost of $1 billion paid to Big Pharma by the taxpayer. So that's going to be our what we have to rely on in times of crisis. In other words, according to the tyrants at the FDA, the only products that may be marketed alongside the H1N1 are those products that either don't work or aren't available to most people. Anything that really works to prevent influ influenza infections, such as natural antivirals, medicinal herbs, colloidal silver, is banned from even mentioning H1N1 without the threat of being criminally prosecuted. So they're going to do everything they can do to take away access to this. Um, I've received a letter from the, uh, basically the, the company that puts out the silver that I recommend. And here's what he said. He says, I've got, you've got to have the silver on hand because the FDA is cracking down on colloidal silver. Last Friday, March 20th, was the last day people had to submit a rebuttal petition, petition to the FDA classifying colloidal silver that has a size less than 100 nanometers as a pesticide. That's what they're trying to do to the silver. They're trying to classify it as a pesticide. A pesticide. Well, why? Well, because it kills bacteria, so it's a pesticide. And those bacteria are people, too. They have rights. How dare they kill them? You know, I mean, that's almost like the attitude that they're taking. It's so ridiculous. Um... All nanosilver is under 100 nanometers. That means that nanosilver could be banned, which is what we were just talking about. They're spraying on the subway systems. Now, the point is, though, is the FDA could intervene with um, the silver that I recommend, the Invive silver, at any time because the FDA is cracking down on all silvers. In other words, if they get their foot in the door, it's like that's, that's, that expression, if you let the camel get its head in the door... Pretty soon his whole body will be in the tent. 
So the FDA is cracking down on all silvers. If the FDA moves against us, then we will not be able to ship anything under our current company. You might want to tell your listeners they should stock up on silver now because the FDA is cracking down on silver. It's just a matter of time before this is totally removed from the market. They can't leave products on the market that are going to compete with their poisons. They can't. Uh, This was evidenced by March 20th as this was the cutoff date for anyone to object as nanosilver being classified as a pesticide in the future. The bottom line is nanosilver will probably be classified as a pesticide and the FDA will go after the other silvers that work, such as Invive Silver. So tell your listeners to stock up with at least a six-pack of the the 5,000 part per million. Uh, So... If you want to know more, I'm running a special right now on the silver. If you want to know more about that, just email me at my email address, um, which is on my homepage on Sermon Audio, because I'm actually running a special. I don't know how long this stuff is going to be available. I really don't. But I really believe if there was ever a product the Lord brought me to, I actually have a whole testimony about this particular product. I can send you the email, the, the word attachment on it. But anyway... Um, you, I'll, I'll send that to you if you like. So going back to the source article, it says, Such are the operations of our U.S. Food and Drug Administration, a criminal organization that's hardworking to do what every criminal organization does, eliminate the competition. As the defender of Big Pharma, the FDA is also the, the destroyer of knowledge that seeks to remove educational statements from the Internet. Truth has nothing to do with it. It is verifiably true that antiviral herbs, probiotics, and other natural products help to protect the consumer from anything of, of a viral, bacterial, or fungal nature. He's just saying from influenza, but you know, you strengthen your immune system and it's going to help protect you from these things. But the FDA cannot allow such statements to remain online for the simple fact that people might become informed, and that, it seems, would be a dangerous precedent. Can't have that. If people were informed about the healing and protective powers of natural substances, they would no longer remain enslaved by the medical establishment. Profits would be lost. Power would evaporate. This is why people can never be allowed to attain any real knowledge about herbs, superfoods, and other nutritional supplements, and the FDA will threaten people with imprisonment just to make sure they don't dare publish knowledge that the FDA does not want people to see. And he goes on to talk about two different companies that are being attacked right now. This is how the FDA secretly intimidates the natural product industry. It sends threatening letters to anyone who dares tell the truth about a natural product they sell, while pharmaceutical companies can openly and brazenly lie about their supposed benefits like natural products. Uh, Natural product companies aren't even allowed to state obvious truths about their products. Note carefully that the FDA openly brands the people promoting natural antiviral products as criminals. They're criminals. The language from the FDA's own website website says it is listing, quote, websites that are illegally marketing unapproved, uncleared, and unauthorized products in relation to the 2009 H1N1 flu virus. This is all about destroying the competition, limiting consumer options, and censoring truthful health information on the internet, and it's all being paid for by your tax dollars. By the way, this is a government operation taking place under the Obama administration, which apparently continues in Bush's administration's footsteps when it comes to destroying 
the natural products industry and leaving consumers helpless in the next coming great pandemic. Now, I need to read you this disclaimer. This applies to everything I've said that would have given any type of supposed health advice. It is your constitutional right to educate yourself in the arena of health and medical knowledge, to seek helpful information, and to make use of it for the benefit of you and your family. You are the one responsible for your own health. In order to make decisions in all health matters, you must educate yourself. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Scott Johnson are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medicine. If you have a severe medical condition, see a competent physician. I do not claim to cure disease. My goal is to help you make physical and nutritional changes in your own body so that your body can heal itself. The body God gave you, which can do amazing things if supplied with the right tools. I've already read you the, the thing on um, the, the, uh, the colloidal silver company sent me. Uh, I'm going to just go over my proactive measures of what to do in case of a pandemic. This is on my list of proactive recommendations that I talked about earlier. Proactive measures in the event of a pandemic. 5,000 part per million mild silver protein. And Revive's the only one that makes this stuff because they're the only ones that can make it stable at that strength level. Nobody's figured out how to stabilize it. They had a doctor that worked with him called Dr. Cordeaux that said God led him to the formula regarding how to stabilize the silver at high part per million. See, the problem most people have is if they try to make a high part per million solution, colloidal silver solution, it's not stable. It falls out of solution. And if you have any colloidal silver around and the silver settled to the bottom, it is beyond worthless. At that point, it is actually toxic. You don't just shake it up and drink it, okay? It's not like shake well before taking. If, if your silver's like that, it's, it's detrimental to you. Ionic silver takes approximately seven seconds once upon ingesting, ionic silver being silver that's made electrically, to convert to silver chloride in either the bloodstream, if you absorb it sublingually, or in the stomach via the chlorides in the bloodstream and the stomach in the silver chloride. And silver chloride is, is inert and is useless in the body and will build up in the soft tissues of the body if you take enough of it. So, the 5,000 mild silver protein suggested therapeutic dosage guidelines in the event of a pandemic. This is worst case scenario. One teaspoon to one tablespoon for, 30, for every 30 pounds of body weight per day. Now, that's worst case scenario if you've got this stuff and you're trying to save a life. One teaspoon to one tablespoon for every 30 pounds of body weight per day. 5,000 part per million. If you have been exposed or if you have a virulent virus, the one tablespoon dosage would be used for life-threatening situations. This dosage should be equally broken up and taken in three-hour intervals. Stay at home, avoid contact with the populace till the outbreak passes. If taking the mild silver protein, drink at least eight eight-ounce glasses of purified water per day. But if you're really doing this high dosage I just recommended, you would want to do even more than eight eight-ounce glasses. You'd want to do more. You're trying to flush all the bad guys out of the system. Mild silver protein can be used topically also over an infectious site. Meaning you can apply it topically. You can also use, um, I would prefer you use food-grade hydrogen peroxide. Now, food-grade hydrogen peroxide is also another thing 
that you can have on hand stocked up. And it's it's um, it's more economical. I would get if you're going to get the food grade hydrogen peroxide, get either like a medical grade or a um, the Guardian of Eden makes a good one. There's a new book out called The One Minute Cure, and it tells you how to use hydrogen peroxide to actually treat a variety of different things, including cancer and all kind of different things. Um, I would get the Guardian of Eden. I believe that's the one they recommend in the book as well. And it's a very high quality. You want to make sure you got a high quality. You don't want to use the hydrogen peroxide you get in the drugstore, okay? And make sure you, you go by their guidelines. There's a limit to how much hydrogen peroxide, though, you can take. Whereas that, that limit doesn't really near as exist with the, with the silver. The hydrogen peroxide, you got to be a little careful because you're creating, in, you're creating oxidation in the body. Hydrogen peroxide has a lot of oxygen. Oxygen is an oxidant. Oxida- oxidization in the body produces free radicals. Free radicals are quenched by antioxidants. So if you're going to take the hydrogen peroxide on a daily basis, you want to make sure you're taking your antioxidants to quench the free radicals being produced. Okay, But both can be used together. And again, I give a lot more dietary or, or guidelines on this, how to use this in a nebulizer and things like that on my colloidal silver presentation on YouTube. Going further, uh, because the 5,000 part per million is only available in 4 ounce bottles, it would be wise to keep at least a few bottles for each adult family member and one to two for each children in your household. This would pretty much be minimal things you'd want to keep on hand in case of a pandemic. View this like an insurance policy that you will hopefully never have to use. Even if you don't use the product in the event of a pandemic, it can be diluted and taken on an everyday basis to keep the immune system strong. I tell people, I don't even tell people to dilute it. I just do, you know, 10, 15 drops a day on average of this stuff. Um, it's, it's It's a trace mineral, okay? Just like... A lot of other trace minerals, like manganese, magnesium, calcium. It's a trace mineral. Your body does need it. It, it, does, it acts as a secondary immune system in the body. Meaning when you take silver into the bloodstream, regardless of how well your immune system is working, it will kill anything of a viral, fungal, or uh, bacterial origin. It's been proven for hundreds of years. But it also is a component of the immune system, like a trace mineral would be. So... Going further, let's see here. Because Invive Silver is so stable, it has a 15-year minimum shelf life. The company started in 1993, and they still have perfectly good bottles. Um, actually, 1995. And they still have perfectly good bottles from that date. There is a retest date on the bottle for the year 2014. That's what it says now. But that is purely there for FDA purposes. There is no colloidal silver in any form that can even come close to their shelf life or potency, nor has there been one case of Argyria, people turning gray, from taking the Invive silver. Okay? So you can either, you know, if, if you're interested in that, you can either email me at my website. Uh, my email address is drjohnson, D-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at the letter I, the letter X, dot netcom, N-E-T-C-O-M. That's my email address. Website is www.drdr-johnson.com. Anyway, enough said about that. I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. And um, 
we'll hopefully continue our series on the Hebrew Roots Movement next week. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for this time that you've given us. I pray, God, that your truth would go forth and that, Lord God, every Christian, every listener would act regarding this information in the manner that you want them to act, whether that is is going into prayer and fasting, whatever it may be, Lord. I just pray that you bless my listeners, those that are listening to this that may be unsaved. I pray primarily, Lord God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that their soul be saved. I pray for your convicting power to be upon them, for your fear to be upon them, that you guide them to the truth. Whether they listen to my teaching on salvation or, or, or someone else, I pray to God you put them in their path. I pray God their souls be saved and that you would equip my listeners and, and the body of Christ for the times that are coming, the perilous times that are coming, that your word clearly predicted and that we would be used as salt and light and that you would increase our faith and help us to do the job that you need us to do. That your name would be glorified through us, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.